It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. This is episode 28.2 of Unplugged and Undeniable. My name is Jesse Velasquez, and the reason it is point two is because my first attempt here with Nick Reese failed. It was fantastic. It's in the airwaves somewhere, lost in translation in the web world, but he has came back to the scene today. How are you, Nick? Yes, I'm doing fabulous. You know, we got lost in the matrix for a little bit, but we're back here now. We're plugged in. I'm ready to go. I know, very Keanu Reeves and Lawrence Fishburne X Matrix, where we're <laughs> going to lead into there. Oh, I know. I And like we just talked about off air, I feel this is going to be a lot more improvisation, won't be as structured. And it, actually, it was, the first one was really off structure. So this one's going to be just as good. Yeah, that's how it be- I feel like that's always how it works out best. Oh, yeah. Im- Im- improvisation, not so structured, not so serious. There's a lot more laid back to it. We obviously are going to dive into some serious topics, but there's going to be some, uh, some some leisurely ones at that. Um, go yeah. into your current goings on. We just discussed that you're just finished with one project, moving into another. We'll start there. Yes, yes. I, am, I just finished with my current clients, round of clients I had, and now I'm getting ready to launch my own business and start getting another round of clients in. Then I also work for Online Coach University, and we're about to open up enrollment on the 8th, get a bunch more students in, be able to help them create the freedom they want, you know, this online world, why we're all in it. Be able to show up and serve and help out, get in where I fit in, you know? Great rap lyric, and I completely forgot who, who was the rapper that said that. I don't know. I need to, let me check real quick. Yeah, you're going to have to, because the first thing that came into my head was too short. It is. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Whoa, that is, yes, studio album, too short. That is, Wow. That was, I'm shocked. That just yeah. came to you like that. It did. It took me a second. I've been listening to so much 90s hip hop in the last like week and a half and like uncovering some gems I hadn't heard in years and um, was watching a TMZ special or just some random TMZ garbage uh, on Saturday night. And um, apparently, you're going to love this, maybe. Uh, too Short, E40, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, and Ice Cube are going to do a project together. What? Oh my god, that's gonna be lit. That is gonna be lit. That's all the pie that's that's a good chunk of the pioneers. They yeah, they just interviewed it was like literally 15, 20 seconds of them interviewing too short in the street, and that's where that's where it came out. And I was like, this can either be tragic or this could be good, and I don't know where I fall on that lens. Ooh, that's 
you know what? I feel like they have enough career that they're going to make something really amazing. Like, none of them are really ever, like, going at people or, I mean, you know, in, in recent years. Just, I feel like they're so set and know exactly who they are and know exactly their style that it can kind of complement, like a, like a modern-day Wu-Tang almost. West Coast version, <laughs> too, because all five of them, I believe... Yes. Oh, yeah. They're all West Coast guys. Yeah. Oh, the heart of California. Um, of the five, did you have a favorite? I'll go through it again. Too short. Ice Cube. Dre. Yeah. Snoop. And my fifth was I forgot. E40. <laughs> E40. Yes. E40. Uh, I mean, really, all they all have classics that you could just get on and vibe with. If I had to pick one, like today was a good day. It's just always great but i have a lot of dr dre and snoop dog on my snowboard playlist so i mean there is yeah it's too short just i feel like he never really got the break that he deserved like he was definitely up there but going back and listening to like his stuff is time i remember the first time i heard too short i was like oh who's this new rat and then he's been out for years i mean this was you know maybe a couple decades ago but at that point you know yeah, Top Down, I know, was a big one. He actually did a song with um, E-40. I don't know if it was his Hall of Game album or if that was the name of the song. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think of the five, I think E-40 is the least known. And I was a period of time, a year and a half, where I listened to a ton of E-40. This was like mid-90s. But if I really had to rack mm-hmm. my brain, like Dre was with like Chronic 1 and 2, was just legendary. Um, Cube yeah. in the early 90s, though, it's really hard to beat with um, not America's Most Wanted, but he did. NWA. Uh, yeah. And even the solo albums, there's so many, so many songs on there. Today was a good day being one uh, West Up with the West Side Connection. There was just so much. Yeah. What can I do? Those are the albums you could just put it on and just let it ride. Yes. Like you didn't have to skip around and be like, oh my God, that song was trash. Like every song had something special about it. It, it really did. And I feel that was the era where people told stories more on the East Coast than the West. I think like Dre and Snoop and Cube like transcended it, but like bringing more violence in. But also I think maybe more awareness into um, what was going on in the streets with like police and... Um, police brutality way ahead of its time oh yeah it's wild to think about that like a lot of times you'll be like oh they're just talking but if you sit down and listen like those are stories that happen like stuff like that you can't make up like it it happened somewhere to somebody that they knew or themselves and it's one of those things that they just were able to let the music and then it was played on the radio you know different times different things got on very much so, and I'm trying to like, yeah, because like one of my all-time, my all-time favorite Dre lyric was from Let Me Ride, and it wasn't even that like transcendent of a lyric, but just the the roll into the hook was always rolling in my six foot. Yeah. What's everybody saying? So he was rolling around in, in a 64 Chevy or a 64, yeah. I think Impala. It was one of the two. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That thing was clean too, man. <laughs> There's, I saw one last year. I saw a candy purple one. We are in Colorado Springs coming out of the Taco Bell drive-thru. And I see this guy and I was like, what? Like candy purple, white leather interior. I was like, this guy is living life. And he was dressed to the nine. Like, and this was like one o'clock on a Tuesday. <laughs> like, I don't know what's going on, but I was like, I want to go. Wherever you're going, I'm there. Uh, 
<laughs> was he dressed like Pinky from Next Friday? Yeah, he was definitely dressed like Pinky. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, if he talked like Pinky, the game would be over right there. I know, I know. I got you. Know what? I'm gonna send it to you. I'm pretty sure I tried. I'm pretty sure I have a pick. Oh. I'll have to see. I might. I'll have to look deep in the archives. Okay. Purple 6-4 in a Taco Bell drive through at 1 p.m. in the afternoon on a Tuesday. Yes. Road trip. <laughs> so I don't know what exactly. there. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. With that being said, I guess we can go a little backwards in time then. Um, you are in Colorado now, and you came from Maryland. Um, talk about that transition over the last year. Yeah, it's been great. It was probably the last five years we've been road tripping out at least once a year coming out to the Midwest and usually just going straight to Denver, stop at our favorite taco spot and then straight to the mountains, just going camping, snowboarding, you know, off-roading, just getting off grid as much as we could. And it always been a dream of ours to really move to Denver. Last February, we had the plan. We're like, all right, March is going to be it. Was living in San Diego for months came back we're getting our stuff together then rona hit like all right we can't go now but we had still had to come out we had some work so we drove out across the country i think twice last year and then in october we're like all right the move's happening and got out here october 1st and it has been just the most refreshing like just the pace of life versus being in like the dmv to here it's like a lot slower it's so much more diversity than the area that we were living in, much more accepting and more people living life. Like you don't feel that weight, that East Coast grind where, you know, you got to go in, put in your 12, 14, 16 hour day, then come home, like keeping up with the Joneses type thing. Like it, it's not like that here. Everybody's out at all times of the day. Weird because I'm used to being just the only person out at weird times of the day, but here everybody's living. And you actually moved in at an, not an inopportune time, but just at a very uh, precedential, if that's even a word, like an unprecedented time. Let's use that. Um, yeah. COVID-19 and, and the pandemic. So before that, so you said it was about five, six months before you were trying to get there in March? Yeah, we initially had it planned out to move in March. And then that hit in over where we were. It was like, you can't even be out on the roads. Like if you're out on the roads and didn't have, they were giving people letters, like if you were a driver, had some type of work to do where you could be on the road, but they really didn't want anybody out. And you were getting, people were getting tickets if you were out just driving around or you couldn't justify that you went to the store and you're on your way coming or going from it or things like that. So you just held up and then waited till it died down a little bit, went out, had work in San Diego again in July. And then we're like, you know what? The time's right. This is, you know, 2020 was definitely a crazy year, like affected a lot of people negatively for us. Like, even though it was that negativity, it was still positive. And the fact that, you know, when you're forced to stay at home, you can really get a lot of things in order. You can really start thriving in that environment. And we had the opportunity to go and we're like, all right, let's do it. Yeah. I mean, no, no time's better than the present and developing that mindset with going on your own, I think helps. And I'm assuming your wife has her own business as well, or you you guys are in business together. Yeah. Yeah. So she's a wedding photographer and then we've been shooting together about 10 years. So we shoot all of our weddings, all of our elopements together. So it was one of those things 
also wanting to shoot more outdoors, shoot more elopements, shoot more weddings in the Midwest vibe was the chance to come out here too. And because for the wedding season, it just completely crushed that. Like everything's getting pushed back, just having to reschedule and, you know, us wanting to be super flexible with our clients. So at that time, we didn't have, usually that fall season is usually jam-packed. And this time we didn't have it. We're like, well, we have to go now if we want to go, because otherwise things getting rescheduled, pushed back, just the uncertainty. The only certainty was we didn't have work in October that we would have to go back for. All of our work then was out here. I'm like, all right, this, this is it. We'll do it and then make the rest work. Yeah, and I'm assuming you're pretty settled in now. Has there been something that is a little more eye-opening that you have not expected since you moved in? I didn't expect so much to be open here. Like there were is definitely that vibe of trying to get the restaurants like, yeah, nobody can go sit down and eat, but they're really, really working hard to help restaurants stay open here. And like we've seen places that we went to one coffee shop, came back the next day, everything's completely boarded up. Just being able to have that carry out, like people just completely revamping their menus. So it's nice to see that even though things are happening, they're still trying to let people have their livelihood, have their businesses keep thriving. And then also just the simple fact that now, because we camp a lot, we're out in the mountains a lot, campsite so much more packed like if you're going out and say you want to go to campsite where you could just pull up your car get out pitch a tent and go they're like packed booked reservations like you're in an overflow lot if you can't get into a dispersed setting where pretty much you can just go out anywhere and just pitch a tent anywhere randomly if you don't know where those spots are how to get there it's going to be pretty slim pickings to get out there that that was really shocking because usually you don't see that many people even at a popular camp. That's crazy. Well, and I actually just discussed this almost same thing with somebody just in the last couple of hours talking about how I'd say in the last week alone, I have, it almost, it feels like it's 75 to 80% of people now are traveling like airports are starting to fill up again and like people are going places, which is, I don't know how that is received. Do you feel like campsites and things like that? Are they starting to become oversaturated or everything seems safe? Yeah, you're at a campsite. You're not near anybody. I'd say you're probably like 50, maybe 60 feet apart. Okay. Like you're not on top of each other at all. Like it would, if you're sitting down having a conversation, you can't hear the people next to you talking. But with that, I mean, at a big campsite, there might be 80 different sites where normally you could just pull up, go in, like it's not an issue. Now that isn't happening. And that was part of the COVID thing is that because people couldn't travel or do things that they normally could, like being in the outdoors was that option. You know, it's also good to see people getting out more, like experiencing more things. And then with that, I hope that being in more of that environment, seeing it that, you know, you'll start to in it a little bit of awareness. Like, you know, maybe, maybe I won't throw this can out on the street. I'll just let it sit in my car and then, you know, recycle it if I have a chance to things like that. So in that area, people are pretty responsible with loiter, not loitering, but like just recycling things like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. The leave no trace, which is having 
it's a movement where you leave as minimal or zero impact on the environment that you can is huge out here. So especially if you're at campsites and things like that, and if you're dispersed camping where you can just, it's like a free, like free range camping. You could think of it like there's no designated spot, but on the BLM Bureau of Land Management, like federal government land, you can camp anywhere. So whatever you take in, you have to take out because there's nobody coming behind you to clean it up. There's nobody going to check the area. And then also, while it's fun to be out there and be in that environment, you also want to leave as minimal impact. So that way you're not messing up the ecosystem in any type of crazy way. Because it could even be, you know, you're, you're walking somewhere where your dog shouldn't be like if you're in a national park because there's a specific ecosystem and then your dog could either get deathly sick or introduce something into that environment which you know wipes out a population of plants or animals or insects or things like that so that awareness I think is going to be good in the long term that everybody will be able to enjoy it and also know how to enjoy it responsibly that's yeah that's imperative that's all that that's most important Re- responsibility yeah. being safe but enjoying yourself with the set marrying them all together yeah exactly i mean it goes with really anything anywhere so in these times 110 percent. so we talked about photography and of course one of the biggest reasons why you're here is you and i were in a fitness and nutrition group together a couple of years ago talk about merging yeah. those two together and how if you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes insomnia brain fog moodiness or weight gain you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging the experts at MIDI Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Photography plus fitness and nutrition are now one in your business yeah it originally came from just talking with other photographers and just seeing that usually because you'll get burnt out so if you're shooting a wedding there's two sides of it if you're shooting a big wedding and you're working like 10 12 14 hour days you have a commute on the front end and the back end of that and it's high stimulation the wedding hangover where the next day you just feel wrecked it's like having a three-hour workout and talking to somebody or group of people for the entire time. It'd be probably like doing CrossFit for like three or four hours while having that conversation with somebody. Just the way you feel afterwards where like your energy is just drained and 
you know, your feet start swelling, your wrists are hurt, your neck, like just the little things like that and realize that the burnout in wedding photographers is super real. Just not putting an emphasis on your health, your nutrition, and not looking at it as a physical event, which it is. You know, most things are if you go to a job, even if you're sitting at a desk, sitting down is tough to do and up on your feet, you have to be ready and putting it in a way where it makes sense, where you can get up, where you're fueling your body, how it needs to be fueled before, where you're doing workouts to complement so you can bend, squat, twist, and reach and not feel like if you bend over, that's going to be the last time you're going to bend over and then not be able to finish out the day. Do you feel that a lot of the people that come on board took or in, like in your coaching groups, do you feel that a lot of people that came on board um, took it for granted and were either not educated or didn't expect this side of it from a wedding photography standpoint? Yeah, you honestly don't expect it. I didn't. I had no idea until I go in. I was like, oh, if this is how I feel the day after, then this is how we need to prep the day, you know, three or four days before to make sure we can do that. Because then also, if you are only working on weekends, if you can only shoot on Saturday and you're completely wrecked on Sunday, that takes away like 50% of your availability, which also isn't good. And then letting it be in a way where you're energized, where you feel good, where the workouts are taking hours and are bone crushing and don't take a lot of expensive things because you also want to be able to get up, do something for 15, 20 minutes, and then get the day started, which I've realized that 15 to 20 minutes is really the sweet spot in order to get your creative juices flowing. Also get your body warmed up, build that strength and have it be something that you can do every single day. That way you're just conditioned for it. Absolutely. Um, and I'm going to go a little bit backwards before we come forwards to this exact same topic. I know that you've been in this business for a long time. We're approaching 15, 16 years in the personal training field. Eight 18, 18 or 19. Even further back. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, some, some of the stories that we talked about where you would be driving hour, hour and 20, staying at a gym for 10, 12, 11, 12 hours, and then either driving home or like spending the night in the gym. I know that was kind of took a toll yeah. on and caused you to go out on your own. Um, are there any other kind of stories that you have and or like advice for people who like have a super deep passion for fitness and um, need something eye opening just to, there are things to look for. Yeah. The one thing I would definitely start with is your quality of life. Because it's one of those things like, yes, you want to help people. You want to serve people. Like, that's why we all get into this. But then you have to take a step back and say, what is it really costing me? And is that something that's worth it? Because I didn't realize that. I was like, you know what? I've got all these clients. I was excited about making a lot of money. I was working a lot of hours. But then at the same time, there were other things I was missing out on. And one of the big transitional movements for me was got a puppy. And at that point, I was working down the road about hour, hour and a half commute, the front end and the back end, being at work for like 10 hours, 12 hours on a normal day. And I realized I never saw our puppy. When I'd wake up to go to work, he was sleeping. When I'd come home, he was sleeping. Granted, he was a puppy sleeping a lot, but I just wasn't there. And I was getting lots of videos, you know, calling my wife, talking to her. And I realized I took a super, super macro step back, said, 
if we had a baby right now, how involved would I be? And that completely shifted where I said, something needs to change because I can't not be available, can't not be around for little things. Like I remember his first time he learned how to sit, first time he learned to fetch. I have videos of it. I wasn't there. And I'm like, I couldn't imagine if we had a kid and I'm missing monumental moments and just seeing it on a video. Like it's not the same. And that was really the shift where I said, okay, I need to set up my business. So it is in complete alignment with what I want to be doing later in my life. And then from that point on, every decision I made was with that in mind. Being here when we're ready to start a family or even right now wanting to go to a happy hour, wanting to enjoy things on holidays, wanting to take a couple of days off just because we can. And being able to, and we know the grind, obviously we're grinding for the carrot, for the revenue. Um, I mean, obviously we're serving people first, but at the same time, this is how we provide for our families. So we're only doing what we know. And I think that can, as you said, can get lost. So how eventually did you find the happy medium and the comfortability to be able to break away from the larger gym and go out on your own? Yeah, the first step with that was transitioning, working closer to home. So that way my commute was down to maybe like 10 or 15 minutes. I went back, was on the grind to get clients and moving that. At that point, I was like, okay, I'm here. I'm still having to be somewhere. So I needed to step out of a place where I had to trade my you know, specific time for money. And then that's when we first met was in the fitness business mentorship with Jordan and Mike, which is an amazing program. And went through that, used all of those tools, got me to the next level. Then I joined OCA by Rachel Bell. And then that got me to the next level to be, you know, have that structure in place and really be able to step back and start scaling my business in a sense where I can just have things set in place where down the line, I can have coaches working with people, have programs and systems in place where it's not dependent on me working in the business every day, as opposed to working on the business and keeping that vision and keeping things growing. Twofold question on the uh, OCA how much did you learn that you did not learn from that previous step with Jordan and Mike? And then question two, do you feel that there is still um, authenticity in what you do in terms of like your hands on programming? Like this is your imprint as opposed to a completely different system. If that, if that question makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It makes total sense. The I'm trying to think of the difference because they actually, they really complement each other. And what happens And the thing that really I learned with Jordan and Mike was really that copywriting, like listening to your audience, engaging with them in the website, you know, ad space type of things. That's what I learned a lot from them and really seeing how to work one-on-one -on -one with clients online because that was the first introduction I got in working with people one-on-one. -on -one. And then also seeing how they ran their group program, like Jordan's Inner Circle and also 
being in the mentorship. OCA has the complete organic approach. So in the grand scheme of things, being able to have the content where I'm setting up, I'm delivering content in, for example, a video module setting. Then when I get on with my clients, we're really asking questions. We're getting real deep on the things that are specifically applied to them. In my program, a lot of it is mindset work. A lot of it is basic understanding of what is the limiting belief? How do they move past it? And also educating them on how to be able to set up their programs themselves. And it's in a tighter container where in 90 days, my goal for them is to be self-sufficient. Like we had a crash course, went in, did so much work. At that point, we've had 12 one-on-one calls together. So now you know everything that you need to know in order to manage your own health, your own energy, your own mental blocks that come up. Perfect. And then again, it adapts to your own personal beliefs and style? Yes. Yep. So everything, what you learn inside of OCA is what you want to be as a coach and then how to deliver that, regardless of what, I mean, you could teach, theoretically, you could teach somebody how to peel an orange, like at the super micro level of bringing it down. You come in, you have no idea what an orange is, and now you're going to make freshly squeezed orange juice. Yeah. So (laughs) even being able to take it through there and everything is done through me. And then what would be able to happen is be able to scale that. So instead of me working one-on-one with each client, then I could zoom out and have a group call where I have 10 of my clients on the call. And then they're able to build that community, able to have that peer accountability with, you know, a side-to-side accountability versus a top-down, like I'm your coach, you're my client, being able to have that client-to-client accountability. And then also hear what things are coming up with other people, because it's also nice to hear something else that might trigger something in you that you're like, oh, I actually need support in this, or actually, this is something I was thinking about too. Yeah, that makes sense. And then I'm my guess is that like, you're maybe setting like macro goals, but then finding micro goals within that to reach that macro goal. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because it is, you know, a lot of times it's being healthy, having more energy isn't about doing those specific things. It's about finding why you aren't. Like if you're not doing some sort of exercise each day, like it'd be easy to be like, okay, here you go. But like, what is really stopping you from doing the exercise? What's going on in your, are you not planning for it? Are you afraid to do it? Do you not like the exercise you're doing? Are you in the wrong environment for it? And really getting to that root cause of what is blocking them from getting to where they want to be and then addressing it there. And then starting to implement changes with food, with nutrition, with your mindset, that way it sticks, which, you know, it's, I don't just want to have somebody just do something be like, all right, you know, you're, you're done. Cool. Whatever. Like I want it to stick, you know, years from now, I ideally, I would be the last coach that they work with in that capacity to get where they want to go. Unless they come up with some super specific goal. That's just outside of what I coach or what I feel comfortable coaching. Yeah. That makes a hundred percent sense from common behaviors in the fitness and nutrition industry. Um, what is the one that you most want to see a change in? Oh man, a tough question. The one I want to most see the change in it, it's the all or nothing or the, the cancel culture of, oh, okay. You want to 
work out and get healthy, you need to work out every single day. You need to eat six meals a day of boiled chicken, broccoli, and you can only eat this type of thing. And, you know, that goes vegan with the carnivore, with the no carb people, with the all protein people with the no sugar, like all of it, because one, a lot of times what I see happening is if, you know, say for example, I'm vegan, then you're trying to push that agenda, which, you know, on a macro scale is an issue that's going on with our world is that one thing is happening. You're trying to make everybody believe that and you want everybody to be that one way versus accepting like, Hey, good for you for doing this small change. 1% better each day does so much. You get people that come in and they see all the glitz and glamour because you see a magazine or you see a Facebook ad and it's like, oh, lose 10 pounds in 10 days. Like, yeah, I mean, okay, you can do it, but is it sustainable? Is it the best thing for your health? Is it the best thing for your lifestyle? Is this what's actually going to make you feel good? Because we both know when you're trying to cut weight, if you cut weight drastically, you feel like crap. You do not feel good. And then what happens, because it's actually happened to me. I had a client when I first started online, she hit her goal weight, was upset when she got to her goal weight, which blew my mind because she wasn't happy. She was doing things that mm-hmm. she didn't necessarily love doing, things that were making her feel good. And I realized I wasn't asking the right question. Like, okay, I got you to your goal, but if you didn't enjoy that process, then eventually you're going to stop. And then that's when I realized the all or nothing approach, like, Day one, okay, here's your here's your meal plan, your nutrition guidelines, here's your exercise like that type of thing wasn't working with the way I was coaching because they didn't understand why. And how is it going to work for them? And can they keep it up? And that's a big thing. Uh, but also, if it's comfortability in their own skin. Um, and I know your philosophy is very similar to mine. Did you have discussions while this all was taking place about, um, I mean, I wouldn't say just being happy, but, um, enjoying what you're doing. Yeah. And that's where I realized I wasn't asking the right question. Like, Hey, how are you feeling about your results? Are you going, I wasn't digging super, super deep just to see, like, we'd have our conversation, be like, yeah, I'm happy with this. I'm happy with this. Like, is there anything you want to change? No, no. And I realized I wasn't asking the question like, hey, when was the last time you went out and had dinner or a glass of wine? When was the last time you just took a day off from having tracking your nutrition and, you know, tracking your program? When was the last time you took a day off just for yourself? And then realizing, well, what type of things do you like doing for yourself? Because a lot of times, especially people we're working with, exercise is not the thing they want to do with them. Even for me, I don't think of exercise as something I do for myself. It's just, it's been a habit that's just been ingrained that even if I didn't feel like exercising or working out, I would still go do it because that's just the life we live in, especially years and years. Like we've been going, that option of not doing it doesn't really come to top of mind. And I wasn't putting myself in my client's shoes to realize that, hey, this is somebody starting out, like thinking back, like how was it when I started out? Like it was a struggle wanting to really understand like, hey, the different parts of your life, like, yes, this is just going to be one aspect of your life 
but I don't want it to completely If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Take over what you're doing. Yes, you are right there. Uh, the balance, the work-life workout. Actually, we'll go workout-life balance is yeah. something that um, some people can lose sight of. And did you, I'm assuming you've, you probably did that in the past. Were you doing that during your football days at all? Like when you were in school, even a little bit afterwards? Yeah, of course. Because in, in that sense, it was life. And then nobody ever tells you when you're done playing that, hey, like you're done. This isn't your life anymore. Like, how to transition out of that because it's still that go, go, go. It's just, okay. And instead of having to get up at four or 5 AM, I could get up at six or seven and work out and then do things like that. And not realizing that it's just a small part. And it's also completely different than working in person, coaching people because there you see how much of a small part it is because they come in, you're working with your client that you see three times a week and, that's three hours a week and they come in and you're hearing a lot about their life and a lot about the different things that they're doing online. We're doing that one session a week, messaging sometimes daily or sometimes a couple other times per day. But it's that physical aspect where you can really see it, like physically see it, physically feel it, that this is a small part. When it's online, I'm sitting here, like I'm sitting thinking all day about my client. And I'm like, oh, like I had an idea pop in. Like, let me make sure, you know, you get access to this and still realizing that it's a boundary. It's a small part of your life. And I also believe when you make it a small part of your life and you can get that locked down, that gives you so much opportunity for so much more else. It really does. And I feel when you're younger and you have less responsibility from an adult standpoint, that's kind of when you can take charge and I think it's up to us to kind of corral it back in once we hit the real world running and say, okay, are we making money doing this? Not us, but are our clients making money trying to get maybe down to 
we'll say 10% body fat. Like, are you trying to make money doing this? Is this going to make you happy? Do you really think it's going to make you happy? Are you happy with the process right now? So I'm glad that you um, kind of caught sight of those questions, even if it was after the fact, but it's also kind of a learning, uh, learning tool for you down the road. If you encounter that situation again. Oh yeah, definitely. Cause it, being online is completely different than being in person. It is just so, I thought it was going to be similar, just really easy. That's why I invested in coaches when I realized that, oh, I have no clue what is really going on in this online space. And it's completely different working with somebody in that capacity. It's like you said, now you factor in people who, you know, they're going to work, they're coming home, they got a family, they might have a side job working a side hustle or trying to build something else like it. They don't have hours to meal prep. They don't have hours to spend the gym. They don't have days to be sore on end to be like, Oh, that was a great workout. People just want to feel better, feel comfortable in their skin and know that if they want to go out and do something that their body's not going to let them down. That's, that's all that we can ask of as trainers is to enhance your life mentally, physically, emotionally, build a relationship as well, but also your everyday stuff that you encounter, everything should be easier and you should, in a higher quality of life, should be enjoying it. Yeah, hundred percent. Oh, I know. There's still so much to tackle on that, in that aspect <laughs> too. Um, my next question will be, um, the challenges throughout that you have experienced during your time in the industry, and I'm actually be a little bit more specific on this too. Um, mm -hmm. Not just the ones from the transition from online or from, sorry, from in-person to online, which that is a beast in itself. Um, did you face anything from a, let's say a racial perspective too? Because uh, obviously both of us are, you're an African-American trainer. I am a Mexican-American trainer. Did you face any trials and tribulations there? Yeah. As far as being online and being actually my entire career, I've been fortunate enough where most of the areas I've worked have been diverse. So it wasn't really a, I never had anybody not hire me because I was black or not felt comfortable in a place because I was black. I've been really fortunate in that, especially in the environments I worked in, the gyms I worked in, and then even being online just for, you know, other than there being a lack of presence, just for, you know, our people, you know, our, you know, your minorities, my minorities, I say our people, I'm grouping us all together because just looking at that, if you look and say, oh, okay, like who are the trainers? Like there's, People like us usually aren't going to come to the top of that list. That's just the way it is. And I also feel like now, because of everything that's happening, people are seeking our services out for, you know, uh, there was a lyric from this ASAP Rocky. And the generalization was that it was like, it took you, like you have 2020 vision, but you couldn't see a black man until 2020. It was something like that. Mm -hmm. And it was cool to see, and especially in the wedding industry, it's extremely inclusive. People, venues, vendors, everybody is going out of their way to make sure people feel comfortable and feel accepted. Like going way, way, way out of their way, which is amazing to hear. 
And I feel like the fitness industry is getting there where it's going, you know, you see small pockets of it come out. Like what can we do to support the people who are underrepresented and help give them an opportunity that we might not thought of before? Because, you know, sometimes it's not even on anybody's radar. If you've never had to deal with it or, you know, never had to be in a setting, like you're ignorant to it. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But once you build that awareness, then it's like, okay, how are you going to make a change and make it inclusive for everybody to where you see somebody who a kid who's younger can look up and see one of us on a magazine or in a business magazine or online and be like, you know what, that's a career I want to choose. That's a career that I can make a living with. And I feel like the reason why fitness is such in a backseat, because even being a trainer or coach or however you want to say it, is still one of those like, oh, you're a trainer? Like, that's not a real job. That's a hobby for somebody that wants to get out really working and just wants to hang out in the gym all day. So I feel like there's that level you have to overcome. And then you have to overcome all the racial, all the social injustice, all of the inclusivity and that all. I haven't heard that second to last statement that you made in a couple years about how personal training is looked at as a job, like a short-term job as opposed to a career, and it may have a shelf life. Um, you don't see too many, and this is maybe even where like an ageism discrimination comes into play too. Uh, I'm trying to decipher, um, I know Jordan's um partner in the mentorship, Susan, I can't recall her last name. You mm -hmm. probably know it. Yeah. Niebergal. Yes. Okay. Susan Niebergal. Yeah. So she's at the, she's on the high end of um, people in terms of age that are leading the way in the fitness and nutritional industry. When you mm -hmm. start to really think of names now that are very omnipresent in our field, I'm trying to brainstorm ages. It's anywhere from 20, probably say 28, 29. And I'd say the sweet spot, if you're in between 28, 29 and about 45, does that seem right? Do you feel that there is a time yeah, it, that there is a, like a shelf life on, on trainers in, in a, from a career perspective? I would say in the old fashioned sense, yes. Like, I mean, I was getting burnout all the time. And then you just realize is, Working this much to make the amount of money you're making worth it. Like, cause I saw lots of friends come and go in the industry where it's, you don't, and you know, this is years ago before online training was even a thing. Like imagine 10 or 15 years ago, if we'd have started online training, then the type of life we would have now, because it was still that, you know, then it would have been so just unheard of and unprecedented that you're literally changing the game. And, I think now also with the whole entrepreneur thing and people wanting to work for themselves, it's a lot more accepted. Because I remember going like, yeah, I'm a trainer. Like, well, what are you going to do? Where are you applying? Like, what do you mean? I have a job. Like, what do you mean where am I applying? And then people ask, oh, well, you know, what's your degree in? Like, whether it's related or not, like, oh, why don't you get like a job that has benefits, that has all of these things, which is, you know, the nine to five grind, but you know, now thinking about it just pops in my head. Trainers were the original entrepreneurs where you had to go out and get your clients. Yes. Like there was no 
you had to work the floor, you were making calls, you know, you were really doing that work in your business every single day to get your clientele. If you didn't show up, you had no chance to get clients. There was no opportunity for it. And you really had to do it. And now, especially everything, like you see kids that are 15 years old who have their companies already set up. Like they're not thinking about going to work at a job and work at a desk. I think is that transition from the generation maybe before us or two before us, where it's like, you know, you got to get your job, get your benefits, have your security, get your house to where now you see all these people who just want to do what they want to do and they don't want to answer to anybody else. And they're going to sink or swim one way or another. And hopefully they have a backup plan. But I mean, yeah, the entrepreneurial spirit, it's almost a cool thing right now here in the era that we live in in 2020, which brings me to actually, I'm going to give you a nice follow-up question to this and let's see if you can turn on your Johnny Carson Karnak hat. I, this is going to be a tough one because I don't think I can come up with an answer for this. Um, you mentioned online training. If we had known what we had known 15 years ago, it's like, where, what spot will we be in? Try to predict maybe 2025 to 2030. Is there something that is going to trend in that direction that you feel that we can jump into, that we should be jumping into now that's going to be the thing in the next four to nine years? Ooh, that is a tough question. That is a, let me, let me zoom out here, try to get in the future. You know, I believe it's going to be, there's two things. The technology aspect of things, I think the access, the ease, the education is going to become a lot more simpler to where like there's apps now that you can manage technique that you can really work for tools and things. I think it's going to come out where it'll be so easy that Things are automatically tracked in your phone or what you're doing. Those things are going to be able to be streamlined towards your coach or trainer so that they have the information all the time. So they're making real-time changes on things that you're doing, I think, or even have a system in place or program in place that does that for you. I think with the technology standpoint, I saw an article today, there was a paraplegic. He was using one of those mirror workouts or... I think it might have been tonal. Yes. Otherwise, the amount of energy, the amount of just stuff he would have to go through in order to go into a gym and workout, having that resistance platform mounted on the wall, I think is going to be one of those things where a lot more people are going to start taking advantage of the at-home workout and take advantage of doing fitness at home because they're going to be able to save so much more time. And now people are really thinking about their time and how valuable their time. What do they really want to do? If you're going to go to the gym, it's going to take you an hour. It might take you 15, 20 minutes to get there. Maybe you change so you leave 30 minutes early. So one hour gym workout is actually taking up two hours. And then you have to decompress mentally. That that is going to put the shift on the coaches who've been out there training for years are really going to start being looked at as the experts where somebody's going to look at you, for example, be like, oh, that's Jesse. This is what he does. That's absolutely what I need. And that X factor that we all have is going to become more prevalent versus I think people going in paying $10 for a workout from somebody they don't know that don't have any connection. I feel like the connection and really who you are is going to stick out so much more because you're going to get those clients who come in 
who really, really, really want to work with you. And you're going to have that specific thing that you help people with and the process that you go about it to where the cookie cutterness is going to be out of it. And people are just going to be wanting to shop for, you know, Ferraris and Bentleys and Lamborghinis and things versus just going out and be like, oh, that one's cool. I'll take yeah, it's a good call. I think with the technology piece, you mentioned Mirror, which I've seen a couple commercials on. It looks interesting to me. Um, the one thing that I worry about with that is, don't get me wrong, it's super convenient. Um, I do feel, number two, that you're probably losing the human connection. And that could maybe down the road lead to more issues, maybe from like a depression standpoint, just because we don't have that human interaction. It's You're talking to like 3d image or 4d image or something like that, as opposed to having somebody physically talking to you and having that relationship and who knows what other aspects of your life, if you're not talking to others, then that could be a domino. And ideally you would be doing both. Like I have a, one of my clients, she has one of those mirror workout things and she's like, yeah, it's cool. I just go in there, sweat. She has her two kids that go in there. They just do it all together. So she does my workout once or twice per week. She does a yoga workout once a week. And she does a mirror workout, you know, I mean, getting into the socialization aspect of it is important. I think at that point, monitoring, see, that's tough because if you want to monitor, be like, you know, making sure people get enough of that, then how much of that is crossing over into their privacy. And, you know, there, there's a whole worm rabbit hole that might have to be one whole episode on its own, just technology, human interaction, privacy, and how that's going to play out on your mental health. Yes. We, oh my gosh, I know that's something I've actually really wanted to dive into with somebody um, at some point in time. Cause like a couple of things I was going to talk about today that never came up was imposter syndrome, which I still have not talked to anyone about on a podcast. I'm looking forward to that day. Um, that's everywhere. And then, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's probably the big one, but let's, we should do another one with that because it's, something that it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I work with literally every single one of my clients on, on a fairly consistent basis, because especially in a visualization world like you're a photographer you put your photo out and then you see somebody else's you're like oh is that photo really good and you know you don't get enough bookings and you see people getting a lot of bookings and same thing with fitness it's really everywhere it's funny you say that because that's one of the keys that if you can see why you're being affected and make a change and move through that it would just completely change your life absolutely i'm yeah, that's going to be another topic for another day in itself. Something yeah. Much yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Now I get to try to change the game here with uh, five outro questions for you. I'm going to keep one of the four, and then we're going to try to spontaneously go through the rest. Um, if you were to use an alias name to disguise yourself, what would it be, Nick? Oh, <laughs> I think last time. Did I say Black Thunder last time? You and we did. came up with another one. Jim, yeah. Black Thunder was my first Instagram handle. So (laughs) 
but that might be a little too out there. People might be like, Ooh, what? so I would go with Jim. When I was growing up, when my best friends growing up, we had nicknames for each other with Jim yeah. and then Jim Michelin. That just yes. feels like it goes together. Oh, no one's going to know who you are. No. Jim Michelin. There we go. Absolutely no one's going to know who you are. I know. Just look at a random piece of clothing on you. What's your name going to be? It's going to be Hunter Kingfield. (laughs) (laughs) Who's good? Oh, my God. Check into a hotel. Hunter Kingfield. Oh, I'm going to try that next time I go to a hotel. (laughs) I think Jimmy Michelin works best. We'll go there and then go to Hunter King. Oh, man. Question two, what is your least favorite fruit? Least favorite fruit. Oh, what is what are those things? Pomegranate. Okay. That can get Can't messy. Stand pomegranate. Yeah. Just the way it pops in your mouth, like it uh, not my fancy. That's a that's a very unique answer too, because people don't really think of pomegranates that often. <laughs> I thought about it enough because I keep seeing it and I'm like, I don't want that. <laughs> Maybe it's popular in the Rocky Mountains. I... Oh, man. All right. We get to channel the brain on this one. Question three. So we mentioned Pastor Troy last time we talked. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your either favorite hip-hop album of all time or your favorite artist of all time? Just give me one. Favorite artist? I'd have to go 3-6 Mafia on that. Okay. I'd, ha- I'd have to go that. Pastor Troy's up there with them, but 3-6 Mafia, I could put on any album and just vibe out. Wow, that's a really unique answer. I remember them in the late 90s. Uh, I had a friend of mine that was like really hooked on them, and I can think of a handful of their songs. And I know they went a little bit radio famous like three or four years after the fact, but yeah, dang, I have to really yeah. channel those. Oh, yeah. Those were just, they had a song for whatever you were feeling, however you wanted to show up. They had a song for it. And a lot of their early production, just the way they were moving through, just putting things together and really just allowing anybody who wanted to come in to hypnotize Camp Posse, be able to flourish and be like, you know what? Yes, you're part of the team, but here, you can do your solo thing too. And then, you know, look at Juicy J. He's still doing it, cranking it out. Yes. He, yeah, he really is. I was listening to a podcast and he, his name came up. He wanted to challenge somebody in a versus I can't remember who it was. I know. Did you ever get it? Did you watch any of those verses at all? No, I didn't. I I wanted to, but then it never came because originally I thought I was like, why are these two people like battling? And then I realized, oh, it's take your song and take my song and then do it. Yeah, I didn't watch any of them. Did you? I did not, but I'm going through a podcast and listening to their old stuff because it was during the pandemic when this was like a thing and they would go over like all the songs and like who would make good matchups. Yeah. So. That, oh, that's true. We got to get Juicy J out there. That, that's our goal. We need to get him on a versus. Ooh, I know. And I got to I gotta rack my brain who he challenged. And I think I remember the podcast host saying, you have zero chance against this person. So it was probably a legend. <laughs> <laughs> question four i was gonna save it for last but i gotta think of one on the spot so question four what was your favorite pre-workout back in the day oh man i had to go super pump 250 aka super dumps 250 (laughs) because it would just flow through your system by gaspari nutrition yeah that thing would get you know you see those bubbles 
and they like tunnel vision in. Yes. That thing, I don't know what they had in it, but it never lost it. Like you were never taking like more than one or two scoops of that. Like if you took three scoops, like call nine one one, take three scoops, and then just wait for them to come get you. But that stuff just oh my god. I had some killer workouts. That's the one when you're you've been up for like twenty four hours, you haven't eaten, you take a couple scoops, and all of a sudden you have the best workout you've ever had in your life. Yeah. You're setting PRs and it just doesn't make sense unless there was something in there that wasn't natural that could get you to be supernatural. Dig into those ingredients. I haven't taken a pre-workout like regularly. It's been years, but I, yeah, I see people, coaches that still take a little bit here and there. So I get to see some of the brands and I'm just like, whoa, okay. That's pretty intense, but it can't be anything like what we experienced back in our, back in our heyday, I suppose. Yeah, no, they don't. They don't. They don't make pre workouts like they used to. <laughs> yeah, because mine, hands down, was No Explode. Just the taste of it, I think number one. I mean, I loved like the feeling. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I think they all were fairly similar in feeling, but the taste and there were so many different flavors. And it could have been the aspartame, but I have no idea. Yeah, they definitely had the flavors on lockdown. Like you would just go in and just see like a whole shelf of just like, like how they get so many flavors. Like God. It's like Baskin Robbins, a pre-workout. <laughs> They'll have a merger. No exploding Baskin Robbins. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> if they're still in business, come out with like an ice cream flavor. It makes it, there you go. Marry, marry the two. There you go. Actually, we're going to claim a patent on that right now so that we got that. So if any companies out there, they want to use our ice cream flavor, just contact us and yeah. we'll, we'll figure something out. We'll get our lawyers on the phone if you don't. Exactly. Final question for you is, and this year has been, there isn't two months gone today. Um, What is, if you have one, you can, let's go back to last year. If you want, what is your favorite purchase under a hundred bucks that you've made in the last year? Ooh, favorite purchase under a hundred bucks in the last year. Is it? You have some tough questions coming up here. Yeah. I, this is straight out of Tim Ferriss's, um, not tribe book, but one of it. Yeah, I think it was his tribe book. I believe this is really tough. I'm going to go with, you know, I like to drink really, really, really good coffee. Like yeah. exotic. Um, usually, you know, we're talking maybe $80, $90 for four ounces. Okay. That, that coffee was always a thing. I started drinking coffee maybe six or seven years ago. And it became a thing that was a way for me to celebrate the changes I've made in my life, the point I'm at in my career where I could afford that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And even though it's like, I still buy, you know, my regular bag of coffee, it's like 15, 20 bucks, but having the option to really do that really kind of breaks me out of living in that lack mindset or being like, you know, I, I can't afford this. Just, to have the simple fact that I can do something like that and also support the farms that, you know, are in Africa or South America yeah. that are putting out that type of product and it's direct to consumers. So they're getting the money. So it's a way for me to feel like I'm still getting something great, able to celebrate myself and also able to celebrate other people that are doing exactly what they love and sharing the special gift they have with the world. 
I really got to dig deep into that one too. Um, cause I was just talking with a client of mine who lives right next, probably gosh, two blocks from a local Dunn brothers here and they make their beans on site. Mm-hmm. He purchased the, the Christmas bag. It's like a pound bag of Kona beans. And he said, this is his Sunday mm-hmm. coffee because it's just, it's 60 or yeah. 65 bucks a pound. And I looked at yeah. him and I thought to myself, I'm like, you know what? I really want to go down my way next year and like get some. And it's going to last me for yeah. months because I'm only going to have it on one special day of the week and just make it really work. Um, describe the yeah. difference then between your, this will be the final question, 90, um, just like the ounces and the texture. Uh, d- describe the differences between that and let's just throw out like a Starbucks or another like random run of the mill coffee place. Yeah. So we'll start off with one of my all-time favorite coffee roasters, Brandywine Coffee Roasters. They are in, they're based out of Delaware. The real difference comes to one, the sourcing of the coffee. So if you're looking at Starbucks, the coffee they're getting, so there's a whole coffee stock market, mind you, where you're trading beans, you're trading high-end things where the quality is really tight. Generally, Starbucks are getting those low-end beans that aren't going to make the grade. The way their coffee is roasted, in a sense where you're really like blowing out literally the coffee bean. You're cooking it so hard that all the oil, that all the flavor is coming out of it, and it's burning it. That's why a lot of times people be like, oh, you know, you like that burnt taste, or some people call it a dark roast. Yeah. Where you have that like burntness to it, and it's all one flavor. Like each coffee from each region in each country to each farm is different because those variables and those environments are so crazy to where Geisha Village Coffee, which is, you know, the birthplace of coffee by some people's, you know, historical accounts, even though it's coffee, it drinks like a tea. So it's really light, okay. it's really floral. You're, you're getting a lot of aroma through it. It tastes just clean. And then the way you're able to really control the flavors that you get out of it by making a brew of it. So then you can change your temperature 10, 15, 20 degrees on the water, change the grind size that you're using, change how much water you're using and dramatically change the flavor profile of it. Because this bean has been taken by hand throughout an entire process to where the farmer got it, to where they're shipping it out, exporting it directly to a craft coffee roaster to where they're not just throwing it in the roaster and roasting it. They're doing a couple test batches to make sure that the coffee is going to be roasted at its peak is in alignment with how the farmer treats that coffee and drinks that coffee. So that way, you know that if I'm getting a geisha coffee, I'm going to taste, you know, a lot of cherry. It's going to be very fruit forward. If I get something from Kenya, it's going to have a very tomatoey feel, a very tomatoey taste and smell to it or if you go to mexico which we're drinking right now mexico has a lot of those chocolate a lot of that cacao taste where you get that classic coffee taste but it's in a light setting it's not just blowing out your palate i know yeah i'm not a coffee nerd when it comes to like breaking down the balances and stuff like that i actually do know somebody who like really really is like the phs and stuff like that and just like goes with the chemic equations you might be like that too i i think i've seen some of your stories in the past in uh, ig where like you make your own drip and some others yeah yeah i do the pour over so i'm a manual brewer 
Mm-hmm. I heat up my water. It's heated up to a certain temperature. I keep notes. I try to keep as many notes as I can for each cup I make for each roast to make sure that I could be consistent and also repeat things. If I get something out, that's not exactly how I like it. I don't, I don't have a, uh, I forget what the name of the pH tool is, but I don't have one of those. The, the real one for that, that's, you're coming over the hump at that point. Okay. Where you, you're testing the pH because also the extraction for coffee is also in a certain point. So when you can take that out and you can test it and see what the extraction is for the, for example, like the parts per million. So how much coffee has dissolved, how many, how much coffee beans have dissolved in the coffee that you're drinking. There's a sweet spot for that for all coffees. So if you can hit that, then you're tasting the true essence of how that coffee was supposed to be drank. Once you get over that hump, you're like deep, deep, deep in it. I just haven't made it there. I'm, I'm probably two steps away. <laughs> There's a poetry to coffee that I never knew about. Holy smokes. Oh, yeah. It, they have coffee competitions. I watch them. They're on YouTube, the World Coffee Championships. There's a whole, it's like everything. There's a whole rabbit hole of things you can go down that are super in the super scientific space. And then you have the other side where it's the coffee. Like, let the coffee just be the coffee. Don't put too much technology in it. You know, a Tesla versus like a 68 Camaro. Like, you know, those are two completely different people. Rarely is a 68 Camaro guy going to be driving a Tesla. Yeah, that is going to be a rare occurrence. I can always think about like, those are like muscle cars, like rebuilding the body, doing things like that. Things that you probably can't do with the Tesla. That'd be the same thing. Good for your comparison and coffee. Well, you gave me something to reach out to because I went to a place in Kansas City a couple falls ago now and I loved it. And I know their beans were like 25 a bag, which I consider time. I'm like, okay, it's pretty spendy. Um, but then you, now I'm hearing these things about like $60 and now you just blew my mind with like $85, $90. I'm like, okay, yeah. so there's like, <laughs> there's another level to this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. There'll be another podcast on that too. Nick. On your way out the door here, give us all of your projects, social media handles, anything else near and dear to you that you'd like to promote. They'll be under the header later on. Oh, yeah. You can find me on Instagram at Nick Reese, N-I-K-R-E-E-S-E. And I'm currently enrolling clients for Peak Performance Method. It's my 90-day one-on-one coaching program for wedding photographers, elopement photographers who are looking to avoid burnout and increase their energy and overcome those mindset blocks that's it thanks brother i appreciate it absolutely and folks nick starts with the relationships first and we dive in he dives into marrying the wedding photography as well as your health and wellness from there yeah 100 percent. yes so we're gonna yep so again everything that we just talked about will be under the header and for nick reese my name is Jesse Velasquez. Again, this has been episode 28.2 of Unplugged yeah. Undeniable. <laughs> and we'll see you on the flip side. Yes, it's been real. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.